Toronto Maple Leafs and the New York Rangers tonight. The Leafs pick up on their part-time jobs. Doesn't it feel like uh, like they should be doing something else in between games, JB? Yeah. Is there still full-time or a full-service gas station somewhere? Do they pump <laughs> gas? Do those exist? We got a game. We got a game tonight, and it's just not any game. Man, this is the bright lights. It's the big city. New York. The world's most famous arena for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't even think a guy like uh, Lilligren would have uh, ever played there before. No. No, this would be a debut for him. I know. I don't know about you, Kipper. Uh, your experience there. I'd love to hear about it a little bit. You know, when I go visit the Gillies on Long Island, I hop on the LIRR and it takes me right into the uh, right in, right beneath it, and I walk up and just stare at Madison Square Garden. I'm in awe of that place. I love it. Well, it's we growing up in Canada. Of course, the focus was always on Maple Leaf Gardens, the Montreal form. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, uh, the, the greatest curiosity in the NHL for, for a kid in Canada has to be New York City and Madison Square Garden. And, you know, uh, for me, it's concerts that you remember. Uh, uh, Muhammad Ali, I guess, uh, on a couple occasions. Uh, but holy moly, man, this uh, my, my first visit there. You know, you want to stay calm, cool, collected, and professional and, and look and act like you've been there before. But every time there was something shiny, you're like, it was like, squirrel, squirrel, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I imagine and then these guys like Lilligren from Sweden, like, they know about Madison Square Garden, right? Like, this is, it's a big deal to kids from not here, too. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't be hard to, like, take a quick look around in between whistles or, you know, uh, skate along the glass and see a celebrity there. And it's like, did I just see who I thought I saw? And that's, that's Broadway, man. That's, that's New York city. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter if you've been there before, like uh, a lot of the Leafs or Lilligren for the first time, there's something special about this arena. Yeah. Uh, Rasmus Sandin was there once in 2019 and him and Timothy Lilligren are the Leafs second D pair today. No Muzzin and Hall is a, is a pair. So here you go, fellas, MSG. Here comes 20 minutes of TOI. Hope there's not too many dashes out there, huh? Lilligren has no time to look around and find a supermodel or a, an actor. There's just no time. <laughs> I don't know. Mustache like that, I could see some supermodel checking him out and going, oh, look at this kid playing for the <laughs> he Leafs. He just looks like a that. kid. I know. He's he got that, that. And it's not that, like, hipster ironic mustache, like, uh, you know, Matthew's kind of, but Nylander for sure. His is like a Ned Flanders mustache. <laughs> I love it. And this is shaping up for one of those games where it will further expose an issue with the Toronto Maple Leafs. We just assume it's heading that way. It doesn't always play out that way. And whether or not the Rangers continue to bring their A game or not, it is leaning towards exposing that blue line that much more. And of course we've, we've documented the struggles between Hall and Muzzin, but still having them out of the lineup should further expose that they need to add depth, but can it, can it be abundantly clear after 60 minutes tonight that much more, JB? Well, yeah. And, you know, I've got some thoughts on, on uh, Sandine and Lilligren, and I want to get to those. Why don't we hear what Sheldon Keith had to say about the opportunity for those two guys first? It's a terrific opportunity. I mean, it's one that, you know, Lilligren has had a pretty good chunk of time here now, both before Christmas and then, you know, huge minutes the other night in St. Louis. Uh, playing up in the top four, killing penalties. So when you're killing penalties, you know, you're going against the other team's best players doing that. And then naturally just being paired with Muzzin, you're going to get some tough matchups. And now Sandine will get an opportunity here today. Uh, I think it's a – for a young player, it's what you want, right? I mean, every player, it starts where you want to just get in the lineup and give yourself an opportunity to show that you can play in the league and then – 
next the next piece is that you can elevate into the top four you can take on greater matchups and greater minutes so here you are um you know they've got game breakers on the other side that are, are difficult to defend against and if you make mistakes they make you pay but uh, at the same time for young guy i would be super excited here tonight to uh take that on and uh i think it's the type of experience that you know should should help those guys on their on their development path what do you think of that kipper well, I'll tell you exactly what I think of it. Good. You're a parent. I know, Sammy, you're not a parent yet, but, you know, it reminds me of when I first took my, my kids to swimming lessons. Mm-hmm. And are you going to gradually work them in <laughs> through the shallow end or do you just chuck them into the deep end? Because right <laughs> now I'm getting shelled in the parent who's just throwing uh, the, the kid into the deep end and, and, and watching him paddle like crazy. That's what I got out of that. There is a moment, and you know, I have the perfect age for that metaphor of perfect age son, where you've done it with the water wings or the you know whatever you call the floaties now, and at some point you got to take the floaties off and just see if he floats. Uh, usually they don't float right away. <laughs> there's some uh, there's some sinkage where you're waiting on the bounce back. You know, I, I did feel I heard some of Sheldon Keefe trying to justify either to himself or to explain Timothy Lilligren in this opportunity. I, I heard some, not it's not defensiveness necessarily, but maybe a shred of that because he said, you know, Lilligren played against good lines the other night, PK, top minutes, whatever. If you go through back through this season, Lilligren has played nobody. That's like the one thing, the one criticism of him, uh, yeah. you know, of him that I think is valid, and it's nothing he can control. But statistically speaking, he hasn't played against any lines that are in the top, 30% of the NHL. So he has been playing against soft competition. Uh, and so this is what we've been talking about. Can he do it? Here's a chance. I'm skeptical. I, I almost got that the the sense that as Sheldon kept speaking, he was trying to talk himself into yeah. this being a, a good thing. <laughs> He's like, getting he killed? He was playing against the Blues top guys. This could work. He got caved in totally, but it was okay. He's on for three against. I'm, I'm... <laughs> Sammy, you heard something else from that clip, didn't you? Yeah, I, I kind of heard it as not necessarily a challenge, but to Sandine saying that Lilligren's played up in the higher in the lineup with like with Mazin, like he said on on Saturday night. I think it's more of a shot towards Sandine, who I think they have higher expectations for in the long run. No, saying that can he kind of? I, I have to say that. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm very excited for the game tonight. And maybe excitement's not the right word. Interested to see that only there's only two guys in the lineup, in the defensive lineup, that Sheldon Keefe normally would lean on in big situations that are there when it comes to Riley and Brody. Is he really going to play, you know, Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren? Like, how much is he going to be able to lean on these guys? We're going to see it tonight. He's really going to have to. And what choice does he have, Sammy? That's what I mean. Doesn't this speak to what he thinks of Dermot right now, Kipper? Dermot's been there for three, four, how many years has Dermot been on the team? Yeah. He still can't handle this? Uh, he's, he is not in a, he's not being painted in that, that frame right now. Uh, Sheldon's almost moved off, off, off of him. And over him. it's, it's, you are five, six or seven in my lineup right now. That's the best that you can be. This thing is painted towards Lilligren and Sandine. And if he can get them to a level uh, that, that borders on top four, then he'll know he has a much better chance to survive in the spring. But until that happens, and this may be just maybe the first real test to to know exactly what you have. And, you know, the other equation in all of this, and again, the sense that I got off of Sheldon Keefe's uh, quote today is, Maybe as much as it is for us to to frame it around these two guys, maybe there's a direction towards Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan to say, hey, boys, who do you want me to play? Now you get to see what you really have. Mm -hmm. And now Mm -hmm. it's sink or swim. And if it's ugly tonight, get on your high horse here and find me some help. I want horses back there. That's the only other message that I got. I I missed that. I was. uh, I, I want horses back there. <laughs> I want horses back there. Yeah. So, 
it, no, a little bit of you hearing a little bit what I'm saying? Yeah. No, well, you know what? I'm, I'm yeah, and I'm I actually like Sam's point too, where it's like. If not now, then when? I'm excited to see it too. Like maybe one of these guys surprises us and uh, handles more than than we expect. But you know, Travis Dermott having 255 NHL games, according to my my math, between regular season and playoffs over five seasons. And this guy is, you know, they're like, yeah, you go out there with Biega, we'll play you for 16 minutes again or whatever. Uh, it does speak to what they think of him and how much they have a need beyond the immediate the top four guys they usually have. I have a prediction for tonight. We're going to see TJ Brody and Morgan Riley play around 28, 29 minutes each. That is that's what, that's, gonna... what, that's what yeah. Riley was on Saturday, right? He ended up around 29. He was way up there playing huge minutes. I kind of I kind of had the same feeling going into this Can game. Can you do that, though? Can you do that? Should you do that now at this point of the season? What's the point? No, you shouldn't uh, do it. But once you get into a game and yeah, I know. It's, you're trying to you win know, the game. You're, you're throwing guys over the boards to try to win a hockey game. You know, you you lean on the guys you love and you know and what they're going to give you. I you could see Morgan and, and TJ playing a lot tonight. The game, correct, correct. The other the other thing is, where are they internally on on a philosophy of pushing so hard to win the division, and whether or not they feel like they need to push to keep up with the points of Florida and, and Tampa Bay, or do you just you just almost internally build towards it, not worry about the day-to-day points. Like to, to, uh, to Sammy's points, are you pushing hard to keep up with the Joneses? And that means Morgan at 30, 32 minutes tonight? Or do you say, no, I want him at 20, 25, and if we lose, we lose. And at the end of the day, it, it, when we look at Florida, Tampa Bay, or even Boston, I mean, do you really want to pick your poison now? No. You know what, Kipper? I think you're making a really good point. Like, uh, I had Elsa let it go in my head when you were saying that. Just let it go. <laughs> let it just move on from the division chase. Just you're going to get a good team in the first so, round. Surprise. So b- build build the back half onto building something and not yeah. so much on the day-to-day. Uh, we we got to win tonight. You know, and it's a hard thing. But I I think we know they're going to make the playoffs. So, what are you, what are you killing Morgan Riley tonight for thirty-two minutes? Pointless, pointless. I guess the only other thing is, do you want to just crush your kids if it's going badly for them? Like if Lilligren and Sandine are going out there and they're just getting embarrassed, like, and I don't, I, I don't I, expect that to happen, but. But I also think that it's easier to sit here and talk about it and say, you know, oh, you'll hold back Morgan Riley. But, you know, everyone's competitive. You're in the middle of a game like we were just saying. You're playing to win the game. You're in the middle of a competitive game against a great team at the most famous arena in the world. You want your best guys out there. Yes. It's easy to say before before the game, hey, we're not going to play them that much. Mm -hmm. And then you look up at the stat sheet and it's 30 for Morgan. So I think think it's two conversations. It's a fine line. And I'm not here to suggest one way is right and the other way is wrong. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. super thin on you don't want to lose a, a, a competitiveness of, of the guys to want to win every night. And it's not something that you can manipulate or control because it's got an energy all on itself on when you're hot, when you're not, and why would you try to mess with that? But at the same time, uh, I, I look at uh, Florida – and I go, some nights that, that team looks unbeatable and we're up against it. And then there's other nights you watch them and they can't win a, a game on the road. So I, you don't know necessarily what you're really fighting hard for to end up getting by the end of the season. I just know that in the big picture for the for the manage, management, tonight should give you a clear op- opportunity to see the, the depth or the lack of depth on this blue line tonight what should make it crystal clear one way or the other yeah and you know what if you look at the Leafs schedule coming up here Kipper like they got the Rangers tonight and then it's like the Islanders who are last in the Metro the Ducks the Red Wings the Devils like they 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 need this challenge to assess these guys so I you know I, I'm excited to see them throw those guys over the boards I hope they get 20 minutes each and we, we get it we learn something tonight 
We'll pick up on this conversation and more with Gord Stellick, uh, former GM and also uh, New York Ranger uh, GM. So two alumni on our program. To, no, three alumni because we got Mike Richter coming up uh, a little later on in the show. And you don't want to miss this guy, man. Uh, and he's going to kill me. I just know he's going to kill me. That's why That's why we got Gord Stellick on first. Electricity. Uh, how are you, pal? Uh, I am good. I think I've told you before, Kippy, because I used to uh, do the MC stuff for the Hockey Hall of Fame weekends. Um, I couldn't get I could not get Mike Richter to bite on a Nick Kiprios humor thing. He was very passionate. What a great teammate you were. So so maybe maybe today he'll get you. He'll get you. But he was very passionate about what what a great teammate you were. I think he's just building it up, and he's just going to hammer <laughs> me today. I um, hope so. But listen, uh, we were just talking about Madison Square Garden as, as Canadian kids. The focus always gored growing up for us was the form and, and of course, home of the Leafs, uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. But, you know, something special about Madison Square Garden and, uh, you know, for the Leafs, it, you, you hope that it still resonates that uh, this is a big stage for them tonight. Yeah, different kind of special. I mean, I still, you know, biasly because where I grew up, the the Maple Leaf Gardens and the and the Montreal Forum, uh, were were one and one one and two. But yeah, Madison Square dark building, his, you know, back then, and mm-hmm. you know the walk up, it was weird. What you were the sixth, seventh, eighth floor kind of thing, a little fifth, bit, fifth a little floor, bit yep. Yeah, yeah, and a little little different, but. Um, a mystique to it. I just, I just love the mystique. I love the mystique, and certainly uh, the Ranger fans, particularly before it got, you know, the kind of cushy club seat kind of thing that uh, has uh, been in arenas now for a few decades. Uh, a very unique brand of fan. A very, uh, I want you to be accountable brand of fan. A, a kind of uh, a fan that you know would lo- loves a guy like you. And if uh, if uh, if they're not big on someone, they're incredibly hard on someone. But it's 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 a great place. I know uh, all the players always. That's one of the games they circle right yeah as they should uh you know i think it's my you know my favorite building uh around the league although i haven't been to belmont yet but anyway uh i do love it so tonight austin matthews goes to set the or tie the nhl record for goal consecutive goals on the road we'll get more into his stats on this a little bit later but what what are your thoughts on this do you think it's random coincidence do you do you think there's something to you know him being a road warrior is that a real mentality guys have yeah, you know, first of all, Justin, I'm having a, this NFL Leaf schedule's been. I'm having a hard time. It's like once a week they've been playing, right? It's I know. Been, it's. Been, <laughs> I feel like they should have been in the the wild card playoff blitz on the weekend with what was going on, and so it's it's kind of these things really really stretch out. And uh, uh, I obviously like playing on the road. And, I, and I, again, I think there used to be a little bit more bite with the physicality about some players that didn't show up on the road as much as home. But we all know, you know, you get the last – now, uh, but things weren't scouted like they are nowadays. So the last change is huge for the home team. You know, even like you go but you go back to the others in, in the sense, Steve Eiserman and Pavel Bure, uh, you know, that this is an era where things are way more pre-scouted and scrutinized. And I think that speaks volumes that every time when Austin Matthews goes on the ice, the other team has exactly the players they want on that on the ice and he's been able to score nevertheless and, and nonetheless and I, I just the guy's a giant the guy's a giant if he signed I you know I think there's an awareness he has about this kind of legacy he can have here particularly if he signs another contract and he flat out will be the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf player of all time and I didn't see Charlie Conacher and others quite back then and it's no disrespect to Dave Keon and others but that this is more and more borne that out and, and that ability on the road as well. Yeah, I, I give him full credit. And there is something to be said that some guys, we've had teammates where you just know that they're not finding a way to bring it like they would necessarily at home. And I don't know if it's the energy of the crowd or just the fact that you get to leave your house uh, and, and play in mere hours later. But yeah, it's it's not easy for everybody to to, to play on the road or, or be a road warrior and uh, – and Matthews has that same look, either at home or, or on the road. And uh, there is something to be said. This is a, a real legit shot at NHL history tonight. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's I mean it's a bit of a quirky stat, but you know what? It's one that has some bite. It's one that has some bite. And I I just of late, I mean, man, the guy like is does he have crazy glue on a stick when he gets the puck and he and I've always said he could we could work at a phone booth even though kids don't know what phone booths are anymore like he doesn't need any room. <laughs> you know, it's just it's all those little things watching and you know, Kippy, you got Richter coming up and Justin, you got Richter coming up. But when I, you know, I wasn't there a long time, but when I got to watch Brian Leach every game, it it was the subtle little things that you, you you started to love to watch right it wasn't statistical things it's things that you just kind of go oh that's so neat you know you take the opposing blue line like leech wood and then you you do this innocent twirl that five other opponents have no clues coming and all of a sudden you're free and clear to make an excellent play and that's what i'm really really liking watching austin matthews like and, and i miss not seeing enough of him in person stick handle sure. in a phone booth uh, play your VCR gourd while listening <laughs> to your Sony Walkman. <laughs> I'm the dinosaur. <laughs> I just uh, the... I just had a big game of pong going with Justin right now. We're going to do the two paddles uh, on each side when we're done. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> Moving on up, yeah. Technological advancements are crazy. The um, you know we we talked before you came on about Sandine and Lilligren are going to be a pair tonight. Uh, it's the you know realistically their second pair. Um, what are your thoughts on on where the Leafs decor are at? Minus Muzzin and Hall. Uh, I know you know you and I feel similarly on these guys, but what do you expect to see from these guys in bigger opportunity tonight? Yeah, it's fun. I, I enjoyed uh, your chat with Sammy, the three of you, and and I, I I always smile thinking you know people say what what do you need uh, in the in the playoffs uh, you know uh, D wise, and I think of the Chicago Blackhawks. The one year I think they won it with three D. They would start Kimo Timonen in, in the offensive zone and play him like fifteen seconds, and he would race to the bench. Right? He was kind of like the fourth D mm-hmm. or whatever. Like that was kind of the minimum with Keith and Seabrook and company, and and that is one thing in the playoffs that you know if you if you got it you're, you're the, the forwards ice time does not necessarily go up appreciable appreciably, but if you had stud D and if Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, you know, can be stud D, they can play a lot in the playoffs. But to answer your question, I, I've always said, Hey, uh, I'm not a scout. I didn't go scout these guys, but you hire scouts for a reason. They're, they're first round picks. Uh, and I know not high first round bucks picks, but first round picks. And, and I was anxious to see what they could do. Cause they kind of disappeared. Uh, was it last year in the bubble or early on or whatever? Like, you know, yeah, Sandy, and I kept thinking, is he not gonna not gonna get more ice time? And what's Lilligan all about? And you know, you talked about on Saturday Lilligan getting getting the the lion's share of the ice time, like you know, seemingly passing Dermot and Sandine uh, on the on the depth chart. And um, I, I I like that Sheldon Keefe's kind of you know said, okay, we, we we can't we can't do the cushy thing. You know, we can't put you with the veteran guy. You can always do that. You can always do that later if you need to try to get by. If you if your D's being exposed a bit, you can do that. But uh, I, uh, I I I want to see how they are up to the challenge. And you know, you mentioned earlier, Justin, that it's, you know, sure, Lilligren was playing against weaker uh, weaker opponents by and large. Well, Saturday he faced some stronger opponents against the St. Louis Blues. It wasn't an epic defensive battle to really judge things, but the. New York Rangers will be one of those teams. I mean, those guys are going to be out there against one of the better teams, and and um, the the jury's out. I I can't say I think they're going to kick it out of the park. I do say, yeah, I want to see the chance. You got to give them a chance, and you got to give you know guys a chance to make some mistakes as well uh, if they're young and they don't make the continual ones over and they're not mental ones. And now the way that it's a have and have not division in the Atlantic, you got a little bit of flexibility to do that. We were talking about the domino effect of pushing the kids up. And uh, earlier we had a conversation, Gord, about what what that effect could mean to uh, a Morgan Riley uh, and a Brody and whether or not it could even push them up towards 30 minutes or 30 plus. Are are you okay with that to try to win tonight Uh, in the grand scheme of things? uh, Is it still important for this team to try to win the division? We look at... uh, the probability of a, a Boston, a Florida, and Tampa Bay, and now it's like pick your poison. Is it should should the back half of the season be about a build up to prepare, or is it uh, win at all costs? I well, I I think uh, 
I don't think win at all costs. I think develop good habits. I mean, you know, good habits that hopefully hold you in good stead in the playoffs. And one of those, Kippy, would be, yeah, you may have to play those guys 30 minutes in the playoffs or close to, I mean, to, to the point that if, you're, if your D ends up being thin, if Sandin and Lilligren, uh, if one or both don't really, uh, you know, don't really emerge like you hope, then you may have to do some of that in, in, in the playoffs. So uh, I, I, I have no problem uh, giving them more minutes. Um, you know, Jake Muzzin being out, Jake Muzzin has been off this year. You know, it's um, we're talking about the other two guys and, you know, the Raz, Sandine and Lilligren and hoping, you know, they're going to grow and evolve a bit. And, you know, again, talking about Dermot, Dermot's never really grown after that rookie season that to that to that next level right so you got some you got some you got some question marks there about you know when it gets down to go time and if it's if that's the case uh, that you still have the question marks then you know you, you your, your studs have to play more so I don't think it's I don't think it's a, a bad thing to develop the habit about increasing increasing their ice time during the regular season from time to time yeah. You know, one thing that we spend a lot of time on on this show, obviously, is kind of picking apart the fringes of the roster because those are the only pieces that feel like they can move on this Leafs team. And, you know, as we head towards the trade deadline, you know, we're still a couple months away, lots of assessment to go. But what are your thoughts on the season that Pierre Engvall has offered this Toronto Maple Leafs team, a guy making 1.25 who sometimes, you know, I think frustrates fans because it seems like he should be able to do everything. Um, what are your thoughts on his year, year to date? Yeah, you know, you got three guys that have come in and in in camp, you know, camp and and Bunting and Kasha that kind of have give have, you know, you got a you got a better read on than Pierre Engvall because he's kind of the uh, uh, well the the healthy uh, Ilya Mikheyev and Mikheyev just so many injuries and finally hoping coming apart. Uh, I. Um, I always say he's got fabulous posture, Justin. You know, whatever. That's for a hockey player. That's how you. That's how you notice him on the ice. But yeah, he, he's he's like there's so many interchangeable parts now that you're not stuck. You know, having having to play the goat all the time, Freddie Goche, and you know, just by process of elimination. So he's. Uh, I like that he's going to be challenged to to show a little bit more because I. Because quite frankly, I'm I'm not overly impressed. I'm I'm not. He's just kind of been around and has never really really found his niche. I'm, I'm keener about Mikheyev, you know, getting some goals. And again, it'll still be problematic to try to re-up Mikheyev anyway just because of money. But just, you know, if this guy can give scoring and can do that in the playoffs, then wow, that's, a, that's another element you've added to the game. With, uh, with Engvall, it's been inconsistent. I think under different circumstances, this would have been one game that I probably would have contemplated putting Peter Mrazek in. But Gord, eventually they got to get this guy into some bigger games, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and again, because you know, it's it's. I mean, it's not just the Atlantic Division. The whole Eastern Conference is like the eight teams are declared. I mean, at the halfway point, it's like you know, it's like uh, CNN. It's uh, polls close at nine o'clock at nine o one, declaring the election over. So you know, this will. You know, you can't just lament that. Oh gosh, now we, we're going to run into money trouble trying to keep Jack Campbell and Morazic's contract is one of the things creating money trouble. I mean, there was a reason you signed him. Uh, there was a, a belief that he could grab a number one job, and his his unfortunately his tendency to get hurt started early here. But yeah, Kippy, yeah, he's got to like. He, I think at some point you got to look at splitting the games. Like you, you really, you really got to find out what he can do, and you got to give whoa, him whoa, a chance. Whoa, 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 yeah, so well, whoa. at some point, I don't know, splitting the games at I'm some point. Court. Like I'm, I'm talking over a two week period. If there's six oh. games, you can go three and three rather than he's just the guy playing the back to back games. You, you got a guy that's in the run for a Vesna, and you're thinking about now splitting games. Uh-uh, I'm thinking depth and happening. goal. I'm thinking depth and goal. Okay, the guy can still win the Vesna if the other guy plays five more games uh, in in goal <laughs> beyond the back to back games in the in that in the last half of the season. I'm talking something like I shouldn't have said splitting, especially with a guy like you, because you you only hear certain words. You're not a depth <laughs> guy. You know, you pick out something and you just pile on right away. And I hope Richter gives you crap for that. Okay, but anyway, uh, ask ask Richter. Ask Richter what they should do with Peter Morazic. It's yes. like the guy. The guy doesn't feel like part of the team right now. Like they are, if they're having a yeah. team party tomorrow night, he's got to wear a name tag still. Hello, oh, my name is Peter. Yeah. Right? You know. So you got you got to you got to get back. You got to get him in the ebb and flow somehow, and that includes hey. games. Uh, hey, Mike. Uh, 
Gord Stellick wanted to, me to ask you, uh, wouldn't it have been better if you split the games with Glenn Healy in 1994? <laughs> see, see, you're, you're screwing it up. We know, we, know that one, we know how that one worked out. We know, hey, when, when I was with the Rangers, Mike Richter started the season in Flint. I would go see him in Flint. Donnie Waddell was the GM, and uh, he came up that Christmas, and he never left, as you can well imagine. But anyway, that, I heard he, that doesn't help our Peter Mrazek problem. He, he was sent down because of you. I heard. No, no, no. Actually, I gave, I told Roger about keeping him up. You know, not that I didn't get Mike Richter in the NHL by any stretch, but they were talking about him going back down. And I just said, hey, Flint doesn't have any games for a bit. And it was right about Christmas. And anyway, yada, yada. That's all. That's all old history. Okay. First question to Mike Richter. How did Gord Stellick save your career? <laughs> and he'll go, who? Who? <laughs> I'm ha- yeah, I'm happy to ask that one, Kippy. No worries. Um the uh, the Rangers tonight, obviously, uh, you know, pretty surprisingly good run from this team this season. I, I didn't see it coming. I certainly didn't have them picked as a team that, uh, you know, likely likely playoff team. What, what are the Leafs in for tonight with this Rangers team? Yeah, Justin, the weird thing, right, is the Rangers, so many people go, hey, they're doing really well, but they're not winning oppressively, right? I just always have found that a little kind of a weird statement, right? And, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and early on, it was strong goaltending. I get it. And I don't know. I guess there were some nondescript, nondescript games. But, you know, the, the three big markets... Uh, or three, I mean, you got to throw Chicago in there as a big, well, Chicago may be doing it now, but Toronto, New York, and Los Angeles. Uh, and the Leafs were actually the first to do it. They kind of they kind of shared with the fans a, re, a rebuilding concept, and the fans bought into it. If you, if you explain it, articulate it well, and you go about it properly, uh, look what can happen. And in all three cases, um, you know, uh, I mean, the Leafs got Tavares as a free agent. York got an Aaron as a free agent, but you know, by and large, and the guy who did so much of it, Jeff Gordon, now is in Montreal and not with New York. But I, I've just really liked, I really liked the way this thing has been put together. Uh, again, like Edmonton's showing right now, you got to have goaltending, and uh, look at the goaltending they were developing, and that's one reason why uh, Henrik Lundqvist, even though unfortunately he couldn't play anymore later for health reasons, but that's why they could, you know, pass the torch on because look what they had coming. So I feel, I see a lot of kind of similarities. I, I, I put, to me, I put the Leafs a little bit ahead of them, I hope, or, or a lot, or ahead of them just anyway, but I see very similar situation. They, they really impressed me, the Rangers. And JB, when, you, when we talk about the New York Rangers uh, tonight, we're talking about uh, a team that the analytics don't speak very highly of them. Uh, and it, it tends to what Gord's talking about in terms of, some nights just not being overly impressive, but still finding ways to win, outshot, outchanced. I mean, yeah. this it it doesn't bode well for this group. Well, you know, I, I expect a lot of what we saw the earlier in the season when we saw these two teams where the Leafs kind of filled them in, but they didn't get the win, right? Like, you know, to your point there, I know you're an analytics guru, Kipper, but you're oh, paying yeah. on with all this stuff. The, coming the, on. Rangers are 32nd in the NHL in rush chances against. They're, you know, 29th in shots against. They give up a whole ton. So uh, I do expect that we could see some fireworks. Uh, I guess Shesterkin would be the the big hurdle, eh, Gordo? Yeah, yeah, uh, he would. He would. And, well, and in the Leaf case, uh, that's goaltending's been a big hurdle for other teams facing them. So, so uh, Justin, when Kippy does analytics, does he put his floppy disk in the computer? Is that what he does? And then kind of dig some things up? <laughs> Yeah, Commodore no, 64. Exactly. He's got the abacus over there moving the beans around, getting it all figured out. You were a Commodore 64 guy, weren't you, Gord? <laughs> I, I had the Whisper. I have the Whisper cell phone, right? You kind of take a pen and you write on it and that. I still have that. And, uh, God, when you talk about uh, the Pong game, that was Atari, right? That was the Atari Pong yeah. game way back when. So, um, so, so, so first computer... First computer at my house, my dad wanted an NHL All-Star game. He didn't set up for two years later. So it's uh, – Oh, man. I contribute my analytical knowledge to the NHL All-Star game, guys. That's where I'm at. You know, well, if, it's, you if it's one thing the Rangers were able to do was shed this uh, this image that they were pushovers. And, yeah, it, it may have cost uh, John Davidson his job and, and Gorton, but they've turned the narrative around fairly quickly there. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I – Coming into this year, not a big Jacob Truba fan, but that's turned 180 for me. And it's almost as if this guy has set a new tone for them. I know the Ryan Reeves signing played up big in social media, but to me, 
it's true, but that kind of sets the tone there. Yeah, you know, uh, I like those stories. You're right. You're right about that. You know, just because you started thinking, hey, the the Winnipeg Jets did better with Neil Pionk, right? And then um, and Truba um, being kind of that stud, you know, and, and, and you know, earlier talking trade deadlines, and that's why I think if the Leafs are looking at something, it would be a, a depth defenseman. But uh, the Rangers, you know, getting that kind of stud to add to the decor on top of a guy like Adam Fox who, you know, didn't want to go to Calgary and, and the Rangers were able to uh, be the team that he was attracted to. So, you know, those are huge pluses. You know, you, you mentioned just a quick one on J.D. that uh, it's a funny one. One of the most interesting relationships has been Jim Dole and the owner, his crush on Glenn Sather. Like, Glenn Sather didn't make the playoffs the first four years in New York. But whatever it was, 18 years, the owner loved them. He couldn't stand Phil Jackson or every other Nick, big-name Nick general managers. He just changed them, you know, every every year. And ever since Glenn Sather's been gone, it wasn't the same for Jeff Gordon. It wasn't the same for John Davidson as well. And, you know, COVID kind of impacted that you didn't have that same inner working with with the owner so so that that change which caught us all surprise apparently was going to happen anyway but you're right Kippy and, and Justin like you said just that Tom Wilson game I mean it really really brought it to a head about lacking toughness and and they were pretty accelerated the sweeping changes is there uh, anything about being like a GM of the Rangers where they want you to play a certain way? Was that part of what you experienced there, or is it just they just want you to be a winner, whatever you know, whatever the proper method is? Well, in in Sather's case, like you know, it's funny because the owner just loved him so much. I mean, he had the freedom to do whatever, whatever you know. And I, I do, and Kippy can say this: there were all many, so many different corporate entities. Really, every NHL team is like the Rangers were started 30 years ago about. Uh, being a corporation and different layers on top of the hockey people uh there'd be a little bit more i found sensitivity about things like image wise about you know whatever may be but certainly you know um aside of that you know if if they let the person be in charge run it um then he can do whatever he wants but it obviously shows that uh they weren't happy with the lack of toughness against the washington capitals so that's quite often perceived as a uh an image that sometimes owners owners don't want they don't want you you know the uh, the goonery in the game for want of a better turn or the fighting or other things but obviously that's been that's been part of the rangers history being a pretty good physical team so it it seems like this current regime is is happy with that hey gord i, I may have dated our ourselves a little bit with the, the sony walkman comments but <laughs> no. you know if, if we go back a few years your late father rest his soul was ahead of his times when it came to technology and that TV, right? Business. Yeah, Ernie's, T- Ernie's TV repair. My dad, Ernie Stellick, was the uh, TV repairman for North Toronto and Leaside for lots of many years. He was in the laneway there at Manor and Mount Pleasant by the lawn bowling place. And you know how I know all of this great history with Ernie Stellick? He used to service uh, my neighbor. And my neighbor kept telling me all these stories about there'd be a, a a big leaf game on a on a on a Saturday night, and then all of a sudden smoke started coming out of the old zenith, right? So they'd call <laughs> up your dad, and then they'd exchange this diagnostics, and then Ernie's big recommendation was just let it smoke out. <laughs> <laughs> but but it worked it didn't cost him any money that's exactly what he said soon as the yeah. smoke kind of dissipated the pitcher would gradually reemerge, and there it there was davy kiana right there <laughs> courtesy of ernie's tv repair all right awesome love yeah. that story i appreciate that, that story very much about Gord, dad, every time sure. every time you're on real kipper and born man you smoke it out <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate it, and uh, I hope the Leafs smoke it out tonight. We're looking forward to it, and let's get some more games going. Man, oh, man, this is like, like I said, it's either like an NFL team or a Premier League soccer team that plays twice. Let's get, let's bring a little more at it, hopefully sooner rather than later. Oh, no. Gord, I, I've good got news it. for I've you. Schedule's coming. I heard. You got yeah, it, Kipper? I heard. I I've heard. got it down to like a, a North, uh, North Toronto arena schedule for like single <laughs> A. One That's practice, right. one game a week. Good oh, news, geez, I fellas. Power, I got power skating this afternoon. Hold on. I got to get going. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the Leafs announced their schedule, guys. We got tons of hockey in February, so lots of hockey ahead. Okay, perfect. Right. Perfect. Gord Stella, we really appreciate it, pal. Yeah, thanks, Always, buddy. guys. Always take care.
host of Leaf Nation on the Fan 590 and Sportsnet, Gord Stellick. All right, we'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll we'll dissect uh, the schedule. You got it, JB? Yeah, I just sent it to the group chat. Nice. And then we follow up with Mike Richter, former NHL star goaltender with the New York Rangers and back-to-back teammates uh, on our show. What is going on here? And also Claude Julian will will join us, head coach of Team Canada at the Olympics. And uh, we'll get his thoughts as he prepares for that as well. All after the break, real Kipper and Bourne. Back right after this. The Leafs and the New York Rangers tonight at a square garden. The garden. Got a New York theme on this show, JB. Mike Richter set to join us. Love that. Uh, You know what I am wondering about is we had Healy on yesterday, Richter on today, both goalies. You know, goalies have a bit of a reputation for being kind of weird, Kipper. Were you friends with the goalies on the teams? Uh, yes. Yeah, I just had a f- – I, 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 I covered I, – I, when you played my role, JB, yep. you covered everybody. <laughs> you spent spent enough time on the end of the bench talking to the backup? Russians, Americans, <laughs> Czechs back then, Swedes, Finns, you had to cover everything. Off did you, you find that you goalies were actually any weirder, though, than anyone else? I didn't. Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a little yeah. bit. But we okay. had, uh, and and you'll find out real quick when we have Mike Richter on, uh, they won't shut up. I mean, I could ask Mike Richter one question, go up to the kitchen, make a ham sandwich, come back, and still feel like <laughs> I haven't missed a thing. <laughs> uh, Derek, let me know when he's on, okay? Hey. Hey, Hello. I am on. <laughs> and it's funny you should ask, because I got an answer for you. It's going to take 40 minutes, so get your hand sandwich ready. What is going on? I had heels on yesterday, Glenn Healy, and... Uh, I don't know. I mean, you, you guys have picked up right where you left off when, when when I got traded out of there, I think, in 97. And by the way, you got traded because of Heels. He's the one who complained. That was his, his good story. <laughs> he, he was playing junior GM. So, uh, what? Uh, hey, man, great to talk to you, buddy. Uh, I haven't spoken in a little bit, and uh, always good things to yap about, right? Well, for sure. And, uh, you know, Still watching games a little bit. I know you're in the energy sector, and I mean you've been yes. trying real hard for many years to reinvent the light bulb. How's that? How's that going? <laughs> it turns out, yes, we you can now walk into a room and turn on a light switch and get light. It's amazing. <laughs> wow! We came up with this all by ourselves. Uh, no, it's it, it's it's going well. Look, I mean, obviously, there's lots going on in that space, and there's just more and more interesting technological leaps happening. You look at, uh, you know, Tesla was kind of the first mover there for a bit, but now Ford's making a truck that you can literally plug into other cars and, and get juice from that. It can help uh, put it, you know, serve as a generator for your home. Like there's cool things happen that as much as, you know, we all do want to help the environment, it makes people's lives better, which is awesome. You know, uh, I know we're going to get into the Leafs and, and Rangers, Madison Square Garden. JB, I know you're 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 itching to ask him a few questions. I just want to stay a little bit on on this energy sector. In all seriousness, Mike, sure. but just in terms of, you know, uh, we've had this conversation, ongoing conversation on how expensive the game is when we talk to uh, parents and kids and, and the pressures to. Yeah. You know, it's three hundred dollar sticks. But uh, just staying on the on the topic of of energy. Where are we with rinks and the cost of keeping rinks up? When I think of uh, rinks, I think about compressors 24 hours yes. a day pushing yeah. out. I think about, uh, you know, uh, old infrastructure. I mean, uh, are, we, are we pricing ourselves completely out of the game when it comes to building new arenas? It's so interesting, man. It's a really good question, Kipper, and a, good, and a smart way of looking at it, honestly, because... Think about it. I mean, I was talking to Marty Brudor. He said he had like 12 rinks as a kid in, in outside of Montreal to skate on. Like, you just go down and skate. And, you know, everybody 
think of the success of the outdoor games with the NHL. Um, I mean, they're magic to go out there and play. And I, geez, I grew up in Philadelphia. I even skated on ponds when I was a kid. Like it's, it's free ice and it's not just fun to do, but you don't have to pay anything. You just walked out and you have a rink all for free. And so that means anybody can do it. The only thing you need is a stick and a puck. And we are pricing ourselves out of it. And the NHL is trying to deal with this. There's, you know, there's 5,000 rinks between in North America-ish, community rinks, privately, publicly owned, little rinks that little kids play on. And, you know, when you complain about how expensive the sport is, yeah, the $300 sticks are terrible, but a good portion of why you have to spend so much money, certainly in the States, less so in Canada, is the energy that goes in to making ice. And so there are no free ice surfaces really anymore. It's pretty much um, pay to play. And, and, you know, when you're spending thousands of dollars to join that local team, they have to rent ice down here. It can be 500, $600 an hour. Yeah. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's pushed across, you know, 20 kids on the team, but there's multiple, how many ice sessions, every game, every practice, every skill session, and unlike basketball or soccer, you may have to rent out the venue, but you're not paying the energy costs, and that's what's killing us. So it's not an easy deal. Like, you know, if you're a rink owner, it's hard to make ends meet. You have to have those kids playing an awful lot of time and charging an awful lot of money just to make ends meet, and it's a big problem. So, you know, that's a long way of saying if we don't get a little more efficient in our buildings, better insulation is something that, you know, this is not – we don't have to invent this. It's there, but we just have to construct it with more thought or blow an insulation in the buildings that are out there. How do you keep, you know, I'm in Connecticut, right outside New York City. How do I keep a building, the ice surface at 27 and a half degrees when it's 96% humidity out and, and 100 degrees? It gets that way in the summer, you know, June, July, August here. Uh, you're just hemorrhaging cash, and it's all what you said. It, it goes into the energy of the building. So if you could possibly make those buildings a little bit more efficient, um, which is a hard thing to do because now, Kipper, I'd come to you and say, hey, do you have you know half a million dollars to sink into your building that you already purchased to make this thing more efficient so you can save money? But you, there's ways of doing it that you will get a payback over time that's pretty significant. And we have to start building them with, with much more thought because the guy, the poor guy holding it at the end, usually the guy who made it gets his money and gets out. You're the purchaser of it, and you got to run this thing. Your operating expenses will put you out of business. So it, it, it's a real deal. The NHL is looking at this, and there's there's solutions to it. Everything from you know the electrical generation on the rooftops with solar to better insulation to more efficient compressors, but. Man, it's expensive stuff, and it, it does hurt the kids, ultimately. Yeah, boys, I don't know if we want to get Elon Musk involved in uh, arenas. I think we'd we, be some terrifying outcomes, but I, I, there could be progress there, too. I don't know. Um, you know, keeping the theme of uh, evolution here and moving things in a – I, you know, I don't want to say a better direction, but a different one. And look at goaltending and, and just the Rangers right now with Igor Shosturkin. When you watch this guy play and, and goaltenders in general, but, you know, what are your thoughts on the evolution of goaltending since you were playing? Well, I, I, I think the big thing that's kind of jaw-dropping for the Rangers, how, do you, how, how does a guy like Henrik Lundqvist with his incredible career retire and you fill it in with this kid, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, that doesn't normally happen, and that's that's some really good scouting or good luck or all those things combined. Uh, Shosturkin's a, a, a tremendous player. Um, Giorgio is too. He's amazing, dude. Like he's a great, great player. That combination, the one-two, is you know, it's the reason why the Rangers are, are competing at the level they are. Um, this kid really is is a. A smart player. I, I think, I mean, all, all serious, I think Glenn Healy was very good about reading plays, understanding the game, and that's what Shesterkin is, too. I mean, he's not a huge goalie, you know, he's, he's not um, particularly tall, but he anticipates the play, reads it very well. It's one of the reasons, you know, Kipper, we played with Leachy so many years, and he was an offensive and a defensive threat. Like, he, he read plays defensively way better than he got credit for. Um, you know, the Niedermeyers of the world that aren't, aren't enormous defensemen and Leachies and Hughes now. These guys have to read the play well because they're not going to out-muscle somebody. And um, that's what this goalie how it translates. You know, where 
the five opposing players are, what hands they are on the stick, what, what the options are, and eliminate them. And he is normally waiting for the play to come to him because he reads it so well. So I think the world of this guy, I mean, he's a hell of a player and he, you know, he clearly has to mature. Uh, you know, Henrik Lundqvist did, um, Marty Berdour had to, you get better with age. And that's the single thing that um, I love about him the most is he's this good at this age. He's only going to get better. So um, yeah, they're, they're, they're in great hands uh, in, in the goaltending department for quite some time. Ricky, it may shape up to be a, a great uh, classic goaltending duel tonight because Jack Campbell to me, uh, is also having a, a, a career year. Uh, he's going into UFA and uh, plays like every game. Mm-hmm. Something's on the line. You know, and Jack Campbell, to me, is more, he reminds me more of, of the 90s when we could look at uh, mm. half a dozen teams with star goalies. And it's just harder now to see that. And I don't know whether it's just the evolution of style of play uh, when when most goalies now kind of look and, and move the same way and they just almost, to yeah. me, play the percentages. So you got this reverse uh, VH, I think they call it, where, you yeah. know, as a goaltender, Ricky, it's almost as if I know that there's 25% open uh, above my right shoulder and if you hit it, I'll tip my hat off to you. But I, I don't get the sense that, you know, uh, they're 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 doing whatever they te- can do and, and make it up because of their athleticism, like goaltenders in the past have. And just where you see this style of play, and is it is it got something to do with why we don't see many star goaltenders now with longevity? Interesting question. Um, I, I mean, look, he, he's a big kid. He's six three or so. Um, I, I think he's you know clearly a talented player and and he seems to you know come prepared every night to play and he's doing a hell of a job i mean he really he's fun to watch i think if you can combine you know think of curtis joseph that played for the leaves um even marty uh hasek was maybe the best example of this but certainly lundquist um a couple great goalies there and they didn't just have they didn't just play the percentages you have to you can't just be you know, reinventing the wheel every day of shot and just reacting to it. You you have to have some standards and understand where your net is and what's going to hit you, what isn't. But I mean, think of hockey. There's so much reaction in the sport. Um, you know, as a forward kipper, even if the play's drawn out like a football play, run it 10 yards downfield, do a button hook, and I'm going to hit you then. Hockey, you react. Somebody falls down, somebody mishandles a puck, you intercept something. It's just constant. Um, reaction and, and rereading of a play. And for goaltenders, you know, I, I, when I came in the league, people stood up. I kind of modeled myself after Bernie Pratt. But, you know, with the influx of Europeans, it's such an East-West game progressively more and more that it's not even a European game versus North America. It's all sort of blended. And all that is to say you better damn well be able to react. You have to read plays. You have to anticipate it. You have to play the percentages but I think Jack Campbell, to answer your question, does both. And that's what makes a goalie really good. Curtis Joseph can be upside down the net. He's going to find a way to get his glove on it or something <laughs> like that. How many times did Dominic Hassett make a save, you know, on face down off of his ass or whatever he did? It, it, it means you don't give up on the play. You continue to read, and that's where your athleticism comes in. And what does that translate to? What if it's one more save a week? But that might mean one more point over a month which may mean you're in the playoffs versus someone who's not. It may mean winning the seventh game and, and not losing it. Um, you have to have that because the players are so good, and as much as I want to play the percentages now, even if I'm extraordinarily good at that, someone's going to fall me. There's going to be an Eric Lindros crashing the net. My defenseman is going to wipe out. Um, I'm going to make mistakes. You have to react, and suddenly you have a gaping net, and you've got to figure it out. Um, and even with playing the percentages – what scares me about doing that only is you start to get sleepy and lazy. You say, well, I, I was in the reverse V or I had my shot, you know, 90% covered. Well, come on, man. These guys in the league now can pick that 10%, that 1%. Look at where some of the goals are going in. And as the season progresses, the goals get better. The guys get more accurate with their shot and they're more exacting. So do the goalies. But if you're, if you're going down, closing your eyes and saying, I had 90% of the net covered, 
it's not good enough. You have to be able to react to the 10% or that little nudge that somebody gave you as they skate to the crease. And Jack Campbell, I think, does a pretty damn good job of doing both. And that's why he's been successful. But it, sure. it, it does separate the, the men from the boys there. It's somebody who can do both, I think. And, you know, the the most elite in the game uh, usually get to go in a best-on-best best tournament. And this is something we've talked about on this show quite a bit, is uh, the Olympics getting canceled. You know, you yourself yeah. have been involved in best-on-best best hockey with the best players in the world. Like, wh- what, do you, what have we lost here by not getting to see an Olympic tournament with the NHL's finest going up against one another? Well, I don't think you can argue that it's it's a loss. I mean, you know, we're all fans. You guys who played the game love the game going in, love to play it, and love to watch it. And, uh, you know, I, I believe me, probably the only uh, group that's not disappointed is my couch. I would, my, my backside would have been planted there for every game. I, and you pick it. Throw a dart. You could have freaking Latvia playing uh, Belarus. It's going to be a, a high-quality game. But when you're dealing with the best in the world, with the NHL players being allowed to play, you know, I think you said this before, Kipper Canada could have fielded two teams that could compete for the gold. I mean, that's a lot of talent squeezed into one quick, hard tournament. So you're going to see people being pushed, and you're going to see amazing stories being written. Um, so I, I'm really saddened for that for teams, for countries, for individual players, for the position of goaltender, you're seeing the best on the best exactly. But now, you know, I'm going to caveat all that with under the circumstances, it is pretty hellish to ask the players to go over right now to Asia in the middle of a season with COVID raging, um, the potential lockdown. You don't just lose those guys for that time. God forbid someone comes up with COVID. You could be there another couple weeks. I don't see any team wanting to give up their Connor McDavid for five weeks and um you know if he gets it on the last day it could be that and so um yeah well, it, it, it may have been the right call but it's definitely a loss for fans and the Ricky, players you played um as far as i'm concerned you played in the last world cup that was off the charts intense 1996 if i'm not mistaken canada versus usa mm-hmm. um Everything on the line, vicious. And we've had a couple of World Cups, I believe, since. One walked us into um, a lockout, and the other one was picked up uh, in 2016 with Team North America and Europe and blah, blah, blah. But Mm -hmm. nowhere near the intensity or uh, the feel of everything on the line. Is it possible now in this era to recreate what you went through with the win for Team USA, or is it just a foregone conclusion, the only chance we have to capture that again is through the Olympics? I, I don't I don't know, Kipper, but I, I guess I would say this. I would, I would <laughs> encourage the powers of be to find a way to make it happen one way or another, and I think they are trying. You know, I, I think we were on our way to having the Olympics and, you know, circumstances mounted, you know, given the, the, the length of it. It's not like we just decided it was going to be in Calgary this year. We're just going to pull the plug. I mean, it was, it was, you know, far, far away, different time zone, um, different lockdown procedures with COVID raging. It's, it's a bad moment. Um, but I, I do hold out hope that it'll happen one way or another, whether it's a world cup um, or the Olympics, you know, we have such a great international game. And I mean, just the talent that is, coming out of everywhere. I mean, you had the kind of the German blossoming in the last few years with a couple of first round picks and they're, you know, great showing in the last Olympics. And uh, honestly, you don't know who's going to come up with it now with the amateurs there, but everybody produces great players. And this has been the case for, you know, 20, 30 years that you have a couple teams entering that Olympic tournament absolutely expecting to be there in the final game. Uh, you know, does the U.S. have a chance to win the gold when they put their best players in the ice? Yep. Canada, don't need to ask that question. Um, Russia, absolutely. Finns, yep. Swedes, yep. Keep going down the line. And then anybody can be taken out by Germany, by by Belarus, by Latvia, if, they, if you don't have your game screwed on that day. Czechoslovakia didn't even mention. These are great players, man. So, um, 
Yeah, we, we, it is a real sad thing because there's so much pride on the line. It's so cool to see these different players playing together or reunited with their, you know, uh, country brethren that they, they grew up with. Um, I mean, look, if you like the, the sport, you've got to love those tournaments because it is. It's best of best. And nobody glides into that thing and says, ah, it doesn't matter. It's You're representing your country. It matters. It's your pride as an individual, as, as, as a member of your of, of your nation, um, great history on the line. And, you know, in the end, any tournament that has some kind of meaning that has the best and the best is compelling. And that's in any sport. But hockey, it, there's nowhere better. Yeah, and, you know, the teams that end up winning those tournaments often have a Hawk goaltender. That's obviously a key part of that. And it's weird because the defense cores are obviously so different constructs differently constructed right it's like you know in Canada it's six usually offensively talented demon you don't get a lot of stay-at-home type of guys and I, and I wonder for a goaltender how does a team's playing style affect you like are you the same goalie who's going to stop a you know have a 915 save percentage no matter what style the team plays in front of you or is it directly tied to the way the team plays in front of you uh, that's a good question. I think, look, you know, everybody's got their style that, that lends itself to certain situations better than others. But, I mean, if you're good, um, it translates across all styles. You know, I, you know, M- Marty had a really good setup, for example, in, in, in um, New Jersey. They played a trap and everything else. But what do you know? You drop him onto Team Linda, and he's great. So, I mean, you know, he can adjust. And um, I think you have to be able to do that. Um, Dominic Hasek. I mean, you blindfold that guy, put him on any team in the world. He's going to find a way to stop the puck. And, uh, you know, he was so bloody good in that Olympics in in Nagano. And, you know, wherever he was, he found a way to do it, whether it was an offensive team, whether it was a defensive team, um, he did it. And um, I I think, you know, real great players, forwards, defensemen, goaltenders can adjust to different styles of the game. You know, you wouldn't, again, you know, call – you know, think of a guy like Mark Messier. He could skate with you. He could he could play a physical game. He, he could play a skill game. Um, Wayne Gretzky would never be confused with a guy that was going to intimidate physically, but he wouldn't get intimidated physically. So he could play in those, um, you know, physical uh, matchups. Um, I just, yeah, I think greatness kind of translates to all situations. There's no question, though, that certain types of games, um, you know, are, are, are easier for uh, individuals to play is no different than tennis. You know, some people are good on clay and some people are better on the, on the hard court. Hey, Ricky, one more for you. And I, I want to kind of bring it around a, a player media uh, relationship. And of course uh, you and, and Brian Leach and, and Mark, as you just mentioned, had to kind of steer that ship every year um, for us. And, and, you know, uh, as long as you were a ranger, it was such an important thing. We're watching in Edmonton, you know, something unfold between a reporter, Jim Matheson, and now Dreisaitl. And, you know, we were also kind of spoiled because we had a guy named John Rosasco who would do, you know, his best, especially to work with guys like you on a constant basis. But I'm watching in the last 24, 48 hours, this thing evolve, you know, and become a major story. But how important is it you know, for you as being a face of the Rangers all those years to be prepped so you don't get caught like I think Leon did a little bit into this, yeah. you know, what was it, a pissy <laughs> pissy match? Called pissy, you yeah. know. <laughs> but it's it's something to be said about the PR department. And, you know, again, like a guy like John Rosasco did a terrific job. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You have to um, kind of understand the reporters <laughs> are doing their job, and 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 it and you're that kind of liaison between the fans at home. Like I pick up the paper, I want to read what's going on. I'm not in the locker room, you know. And look, um, we were playing an emotional game, so it's just bound to happen if you're unprepared. And I think you're exactly right, Kipper, is being prepared. John Rosasco with the Rangers did an amazing job with us through those years. And look, we had great times and we had lean times. But even during the great times, I know things aren't going perfectly for Edmonton right now, but sometimes it's, you know, think how delicate it is when you're playing against New Jersey. I can remember saying, you know, mentioning that we're only seven miles away from our home rink to theirs, Brendan Burn Arena back then. And, uh, I think I gave the wrong 
city? You know, are they in Newark or are they in whatever, Trenton? And, man, that can be construed as such a slight to the team. You know, this guy doesn't even know where you come from, you know. And, you know, then if you want to start hitting back, you can. But what war are you trying to win? And in the end, um, yeah, if you're not prepared, you're probably not going to be able to patch that crap up anytime soon. So it's 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 unfortunate. It never looks good for the player, or for the organization, or for the league. You know. Hey, before I let you go, let me bring in in uh, uh, Sammy, our producer, because it's my understanding that you had some uh, wish list before you would have come on the show. We couldn't get you a trailer, um, but Sammy, <laughs> what, what what did he say before he came on the show? He said you were only doing this because uh, he said he was only doing this because he owed you money, Kipper. <laughs> and he said that you know he said he asked if it was okay to have no pants on like the host. So <laughs> state secrets, people aren't supposed to know that. Anything yeah. else? Joy's are working remotely. Yeah, exactly right. When you when you talked about a free conversation, I I, I, didn't, I didn't know what you're talking about, but I know. You're really it up. Can we get him a coupon or something? Is that okay? We'll, I'll we'll, put one in the mail. We'll work on something. Hey, Ricky, Mike Richter, really appreciate it, man. Hey, buddy, great to talk to you. You're doing a great job, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hope we get some good international competition sometime soon. But all right, this year uh, we we missed a big one. Really enjoyed it. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Uh, Mike Richter, former NHL Thanks, great Mike. with the New York Rangers. Thanks, guys. That was fun. And um, I didn't I didn't tell him, but I did make a ham sandwich. He he, he can talk a pit bull off a meat wagon, <laughs> couldn't he? <laughs> to be honest, I could have listened to him talk about, uh, like, electric issues with, uh, you know, arenas and all that stuff. I think that's really cool. The, it is a huge barrier for entry is the cost, and it's the ice time, and it's because of what you're talking about. A lot of money to run a rink. A lot of money. A lot of money. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, you good, Sammy? Well, I was just going to say, the amount of money I spend on Beer League every year, uh, that's the number one expenditure in my life is the amount of money I spend on Beer League, so I can relate to the amount of money it costs to run a rink. Yeah, you got endless energy for that, too. I know that. Oh, yeah. All right, we're going to have... Uh... Sorry, sorry, Kipper, I was just going to say, it's it's uh, arenas and wiener dog costs. I know there's a lot of both, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll stay on the international theme because we got Claude Julian, former head coach of... Uh, uh, too many teams to mention, but uh, the one that's most important now, Team Canada at the Olympics. He's coming on after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born, show number 72.